Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, good morning. It's good to be back in town. You know, people ask, uh, so you went away on vacation? And I say, no, 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 no. Vacation is when Megan and I go away and do something, when the kids aren't with us. That's some family time this week. How many parents know what I'm talking about? Yeah, not many of you. All right, I guess I live in a different world than you live in. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, We have a one-week message uh, here. I know Pastor Linda has been speaking to us the past few weeks. We've been in Bethany. And I know uh, many of you have really enjoyed uh, the past couple of Sundays and that uh, we ushered in Lent, not this past week, but the week before. This is a, a beautiful, holy time of the year for us as Christ followers, you know, as we, as we move into. And I'm excited. I have to tell you, even before I get into today's message, just want to give you a little insight into what we're doing in the future. One of the questions we always get as pastors, and I haven't been doing this as long as, as, uh, as my folks, But it's interesting, you always hear, like, one of the top questions Christians will always ask, how do I know what the will of God is for my life? Looking around at faces, right? Does that hit home? Does that resonate with you? We're always trying to figure out, God, where, where do you want me? Am I supposed to take this job? Am I supposed to marry this person? How many of you want a series about finding the will of God for your life? That starts next week. So I'll be starting. We're going to do a couple of weeks. I'm also going to be, um, I think I'm going to have a, a, a little panel up here. I'm going to have a, a number for questions on this series. And I want n- next week, I'm going to ask that you give me any questions that you may have and that we devote an entire week to looking at those questions and trying to answer them. And of course, Pastor Linda will help me uh, in that endeavor. And she didn't know that, but she knows it now. Uh, so that's then. And then I'm really excited uh, as we move even into Easter. I, I feel like God's given me some insight into where we're supposed to go. I've said it in the past. I mean, when it comes to the high holy days, you know, whether it's Christmas and Easter, I'm not looking for base hits. I'm looking for home runs because you get people that don't, you know, a lot of times it's the only time they're really going to show up during the year. And I, I really think we're going to have some fun on that. And the rest of you are like, all right, man, I don't really care. Just give me today what I need to know and where you're taking the ship. Well, here's the title for today's message, and it's even kind of a follow-up. I thought it would be really good with where Pastor Linda has taken us and where we were before that on the series on the Holy Spirit. That was the last thing I did uh, a couple of weeks ago. And here you go. Whisper, lean in and listen. How about you whisper to the person next to you and just say, lean in and listen. Say that to the person next to you. Lean in and listen. Yeah, that was really quiet. Super duper quiet. Well, I want to start with a story. And the story goes like this. Uh, Long ago, well over a century ago, when the telegraph was the fastest means of communication for long distances, there was a position, there was a job that opened up, and it was for a Morse code operator. So there was a young man that applied for, you saw the ad, says, I'm going to go down to the office, follow the instructions. I'm going to go down. I'm going to apply for this job. Hopefully I get it. Right? Day comes, goes into this office. It, I mean, it's really loud, really busy office. There's a telegraph in the, you know, in the back. It's clacking away. 
There are six other men that are already seated and they also are hoping to get interviewed for this job. So there is this guy, he's the seventh guy, sits down in his seat and he's waiting. The rest of them are just kind of waiting. There was a note actually on the receptionist's desk for them to just sit down, fill out a piece of paper, their information and just wait. A few minutes later, the seventh guy gets up and proceeds to walk into the inner office. Nobody said anything to him. Nobody came out of the office and said, hey, sir, would you come in? We want to interview you. No one said anything. So there are the other six individuals that are there. They're puzzled. They have quizzical looks on their faces. Why did this guy, they're kind of, one of the guys is like kind of happy because he's waiting for him to get reprimanded for going into the office. Well, about two minutes later, uh, you know, a, a, a individual comes out with this man and he looks at all the other six men. He says, okay, guys, uh, it looks like we're going to be hiring him for the job. I want to thank you for coming down. And they're all like, what, what do you mean this guy got the job? We didn't even get to interview for it. One of the guys says that, sir, we didn't even get to interview. And with that, he says, when you came in here and the telegraph was going in the background, there was a message that was being repeated over and over again. If you understand this message, please walk in the office. The job is yours. And he was the only one that was there that understood that, right? I give you that story as an intro to the sermon today because sometimes God speaks in weird, strange ways. Does he not? Look in the Bible, some of the ways that he spoke through a burning bush. How you doing, Moses? The bush is burning. How about Jonah? He speaks through fish in the sea. How about a talking donkey? This is what God does sometimes. And it's up to us to listen to when he is trying to communicate to us. And at times he uses alternative means. At times he whispers really soft. And we have to pay attention to the still, small voices. How many of you want me to whisper the entire sermon to you? You don't want me to do that. No, you wouldn't want me to do that. Well, here's, let me give you the background for where we will be, where we're going to camp out. If you have your Bibles, you can turn them on, you can open them up. We're going to be in 1 Kings 19, but I want to give you some background. This is a famous story. But remember, as a preacher, you have people that never heard some of the stories in the Bible, which is fine. And then you have people over here on the other side that have heard the story a thousand times. And they think they know everything about the story. You want to learn something about a story that maybe you've heard before? Yeah, that would be good. That would be, that would be kind of neat, right? Maybe if you learn something, that would be awesome. Right? That wasn't too um, loud, your response. Well, let me give you the background to where we will be. And I want to just show you, put up here a, a, a map. This time, when I get into 1 Kings 19, it's 135 years since King David ruled. He's no longer there. 135 years ago, uh, his son, Sol he built this great kingdom, right? United the kingdom. His son Solomon will eventually take over. He will enlarge the kingdom, right? And, and, and so many great things will happen, even during his reign. But it's after his son Solomon is ruling that the kingdom gets fragmented. It's divided into two. And you see here on the map, 
You see here, up here is Israel. That is in the northern, northern kingdom. And then in the south, you have Judah. And the rulers in Judah were the descendants of David. And then in the northern kingdom in Israel, you had ru- wicked rulers, horrendous rulers. They, they, well, I can't even, I don't want to get into a political, but they were really bad, one after the next, awful. And there's one guy in particular that you're going to hear about in the story. His name is Ahab, King Ahab. How many of you have heard the name before, right? King Ahab. He's an awful ruler. Terrible. There's not much good that comes out of his, uh, his reign as king. And so what he does is he marries a Phoenician princess by the name of Jezebel. He marries it. Now, listen, this was a smart move. I'll give him a little bit of credit, only a tiny bit. It was a smart move, economically speaking, because the Phoenicians were right by a sea harbor. And that would have helped them, the Israelites, in terms of trade. So in that respect, it was really smart. It's a good economic decision, but it wasn't a good soul decision. And how many of us know who we pick to do life with? is really important, the implications of such. But he marries a woman that is domineering and controlling in every single way. Somebody said the last decision that Ahab ever made was, I do, right? And it's so true. He marries this woman who controls everything and she's in charge. And she and the people there, they worship a God called Baal. I could turn your stomach right now, but I won't because some of you had bagels and egg sandwiches this morning. But suffice it to say, there was wicked sacrifices, blood sacrifices, orgies. I mean, you name it. The things that went on in this society and how she brought that in and assimilated that in. And it became part of the life of the people in Israel. And God does what? God says, I have to raise people up. You look at the, the word is apostasy, the falling away of the, of the, of the Israelites, the Jewish people. So he has to raise up prophets. And the one prophet he raises up here is a man by the name of Elijah. You want to say his name in Hebrew with me? Eliyahu. Eliyahu. You, if, say it, Eliyahu. You have to get a little phlegm. If you don't taste anything, you're not saying it right. Right? And, and that, that, that name actually means that, that Yahweh is God. So God raises up this prophet, this man, to talk to Jezebel and Ahab and, to, and all the people of Israel and talk about how far they've fallen. And then there, I'm giving you the Reader's Digest. In chapter 18, there's going to be a showdown. I taught on this maybe, I don't know, I looked six or seven months ago. I'm not teaching on what I'm mentioning now. We're going to move ahead. But there is a showdown. And there are going to be 850 prophets of Baal and one prophet over here named Elijah. And he says, you know what? Let's go to a place called Mount Carmel. We went to Mount Carmel when we went to Israel. We, I mean, we saw it. I, I, I'm sorry, we weren't there physically, but we saw it as we were passing by. It actually wasn't that big. It was a lot smaller than I had envisioned. And so Elijah says to Jezebel and Ahab, Let's go, um, we're going to go meet at Mount Carmel. Now, Mount Carmel is the place where they said Baal, their God they worship, that's where he resided. So Elijah is saying, 
I'm going to fight you on your turf. I'm going to your field. You can bring your crowd. You can do whatever you want. I don't mind being the away team. Let's go. Let's have at it. And if your God is real Baal, we're going to set up a sacrifice. And if your God is real, we're going to call down fire from heaven. You're going to go first. See if you can do it. If you can't do it, I'm over here. I'm then going to do it. Let's see. It's a challenge. Come on. And this is what the text says. The text tells us in 18, 20, 21. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? This in Hebrew is kind of cool. It, 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 it connotes a, a, a bird that is jumping from one perch to the other. Elijah is saying, pick a team. Either you're going to worship God or you're going to worship Baal. Stop saying you can do both. You can't do both. It's going to be one or the other. How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. So there he is. He's up Mount Carmel, Elijah. This is like, who's a, we have a, Devin, this is UFC. This is like going into the octagon with 850 prophets, and you have the one prophet, Elijah. He goes into the octagon. It's UFC, BC, before Christ, right? And everyone's there. This would have been a a pay-per-view event. And there they are. And then the first group, this 850 prophets, they try and Elijah is mocking them because they can't, they can't do it. They can't get the fire. They can't get the, the sacrifice to burn up. You see here in 22 to 24, Elisha said to the people, I alone am left the prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450. There's more than that. But therefore, let them give us two bulls. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, but no fire under it. I'll prepare the other bull, lay it on the wood, put no fire under it. Then you call in the name of your gods, I'll call in the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Spoiler alert, what happens? It doesn't work for them. And then here's Elijah, right? He prays to God and he calls down fire. And what does he do for an encore after this? He takes them to a place called the Brook Kishon and he slaughters all 850 of them. What was the blood like? I mean, insane. Who is this guy, Elijah? 850 prophets, he kills. Now you're ready for the context of chapter 19. You get the background? Now you can understand as we roll into the next part of the story where I want to focus for the rest of the message. And here it is. I'm going to start and pick up in in verse 1 and go to 3. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba. We'll get back to that, which belongs to Judah. Very important. And left his servant there. Why is Elijah, who has just called down fire from heaven, and also, he three years prior, there's been a drought. 
There's been a famine in the land. God has told Elijah, God has used Elijah and pronounced there's going to be a famine in the land. God has showed up time and time again in Elijah's life. Here he is after this event. He has called down fire from heaven. God has used him in a mighty way. And here we see a woman who sent her gods out is threatening him. He's already won the battle. You would think at this point in the story that Elijah would be, I know we're in church, but there would be an after party, right? Wouldn't you think Universal Studios is going to try to set up for the sequel to this? We're talking to Jay-Z, right? In Brooklyn, right? We're going to have, we're going to go into Brooklyn. You're going to have all the people that have come there. We're going to get Zuckerberg and put this on Facebook. We're going to put it on Instagram. We're going to tweet about this. It's going to be everywhere. This is going to be huge. Where is Elijah at the after party? Where are they popping the champagne? Elijah is running for his life. What do you mean, Elijah? You're running for your life. Why would you be afraid of one woman that has threatened you? Why would you care? Can I just, can we just talk? Can we just talk? How come we don't talk enough about just struggling as Christians? You know what? I'm so glad this story is in the Bible because it lets me know that people are real. People were real that followed God. People that knew God intimately. You know, I think sometimes we think that once you learn a certain number of scriptures, uh, then you'll be all good. Once you've walked with the Lord for a number of years, then everything's going to be all right in your life. This text tells me that that's not always the case. That we can have great faith in one sense, but we can also be racked with great fear. Great fear. Moses, I want to use you. Come on, Moses. I, God, can't you use somebody else? Look at me. What do I, I have a staff and I have a stutter. Really? You want to use me? Abraham, you are of the Chaldeans. It's where you're hanging out. I'm going to use you too. Oh, Abraham, look up in the sky. See all the stars. That's nothing compared to what your descendants are going to be. Really? You're going to use me, God? Esther, I'm going to use you. You go through the Bible. He uses people that are afraid, that don't really know where they are sometimes. And that's where we find this guy, Elijah. He's had that high-speed connection to heaven, right? I mean, he's got the high-speed connection. There is a connection between him and God. He hears God. He knows God. He's been following God. But here, it seems like God is kind of absent. And this is what I heard a couple of weeks ago as I looked at this text. It says he ran for his life. Can I, you're not supposed to change the Bible, but can I preach it the way it really is happening? He's not running for his life. He's running from his life. Let me say that again, because I'm looking at some of your faces. You didn't get it. I'll give you a second to think about it. He's not running for his life. He's running from his life. He's getting as far away from where God wants to take him as he can. How many of us know sometimes it's not, it's, it's situ- in, in tough situations, it's the energy that we're going to have to build up to get through another battle. He's not worried about losing the next, he's worried about having the strength to just get to the next day and get through another battle. 
How many of us know we expend the same amount of energy, whether you win or lose something, you're still expending a lot of energy. Here is a man that is running from his life because he's afraid that he doesn't know. Does he have the strength and the resources to fight another battle? Anybody in here running from their life today? Is anybody in here today running from where God has called you? Is anybody running to a distant land, a distant territory where God is saying, you got to come back. I want you back over. You're saying, I'm running. I don't have the resources. I don't have the strength. When that's the case, you're in a good spot to look up and know that you don't have. It's not your strength. It's not by your might. It's by his spirit, his spirit. We think we're in control. We think we have everything all together. Elijah's story shows us that we don't. Regardless of how God has showed up, regardless of that fact, here is a man, though, who is weary and he's tired. And then look what he says in the next verse. Look what he says in in verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I'm no better than my father's. Isn't this kind of weird when you, you, you look at this passage? Because in a sense, it's kind of a, a contradiction. He wants to, he's running for his life, from his life in one sense. But then he's asking God to take his life. Really? Does that make sense to you? Don't you think that's kind of weird? It seems like a contradiction that he's living here. I want to run away, but I want to die. And and there he is. He's he's perplexed. He's confused with everything that's going on. And that can be us too. We can have great faith, but we can also have great fears. I think for some of us, we don't really worry that we're going to get divorced. I think, you know, we're worried about that we're going to be mired in mediocrity in our marriages and that things are going to go on year after year and nothing is ever going to change. Isn't that reality? I think we're worried more about that. I don't think we're worried about losing our lives. Yeah, maybe that's real. Worried about, oh, I'm worried about dying. What? I think we're more worried about wasting our lives, wasting them. So here is Elijah and we find him here. He's running away. God uses people that aren't fearless, but they're faithful. They're faithful. And it gives me hope. Gives me hope as a Christian. This guy was able to say that. God, look at how you used him. If you can use him, then you can use me and he can use you too. He can use all of us. He's just looking for us to be open, be available. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, Elijah. Is anything about the Christian life easy? No, it's not. How come this Christian thing is so hard? It's one of the questions I want to ask God when, God, why did you make it so hard? Why did you make it so hard? Was it it easy? Nothing about it's easy. Nothing about Christianity has ever been easy. And you look at the when God came in the world incarnate in the form of Jesus Christ, he continued, nothing is ever going to be easy, but we want it to be easy. But it's not. And so here's the man of God. And I think God wants, there are three things that I see in this text. 
that God says to Elijah that I think are important for us. I'm getting to the best stuff. I think is the best stuff in the text. And I'm going to start in verse 5. Look what it says in verse 5. It says, Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Arise and eat. You know how people have life verses, right? My life verse is, my life verse is Proverbs 3. I can throw Galatians. You know, like all these verses that we have. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on in your understanding. Galatians, right? Crucify with Christ. No longer I that live. Christ that lives. And those are great verses. I'm not, those are great verses. But how about having this be your life verse? Right there. Arise and eat. Anybody want? That's going to be my life verse. Arise and eat. Right? Good Italian, right? Eat. Isn't that awesome? Get up and eat. The angel doesn't come to Elijah and say, Elijah, you better repent for what you did. Good tidings, Elijah. Doesn't say, Elijah, how are things going? Doesn't say anything to Elijah. All that the angel does here is make him some food that he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. He's gotten some gluten-free bread there for him, right? Some GF bread, real good. And a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel doesn't say anything. All the angel does is give him some bread. Here you go. So he arose, ate and drank, and he went in strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. I love this doesn't condemn him. He's running in the wrong direction. I'm going to put a map up in a second. Wait till you see how far he's running. Elijah, where are you going? He's going in the wrong direction. He's going so far away from where God wants him to go. And he takes off. And here he is. He's tired. He's really tired. But this isn't just about physical food. Come on. This is about something more. This is, this is spiritual. Man, Jesus said, does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There is something that is deeper that is going on here. There's something that is more invasive. This is about spiritual food. How many of us know, can I make it real for us and applicable to where we are? How many of us know that we have bread right next to our bed when we go to sleep at night in the form of our phones? Where is our phone? You have, you have Bible apps. You have all things that are free on your phone that you can look up any single time. It's right there. God has given us food. And you look at this story. God said, I'm going to make the food. The angel makes the food. I'm going to serve the food. But there was one thing that Elijah had to do. He had to get up and eat. He had to eat himself. God didn't say, open your mouth, I'm going to shove this bread in your mouth. No, no, no. Elijah had to decide to eat the food. And so many of us don't sit down and actually get into it, eat the word. And we don't spend the time. How many of us, can I ask, how many of us are actually going through the Lenten devotional? Crickets, crickets. No, I see hands. It's really good and it's easy. It's simple. We have so many resources available to us. 
It's the paradox of choice that we, it actually almost, it hurts us that we have so many choices, limitless choices available to us. It actually has a deleterious negative effect on us. It hurts us. Choices, choices, choices. But God has given us bread. Just like he gave Elijah bread. Elijah, it's time to get up and eat. And sometimes we waste time asking God for things that we already have. How many of you have done that? Have you ever asked God for things that you already have? Let me give you an example. A couple of years ago, in my basement, like many of you probably do, you have a filing cabinet, right? You put all your important documents and things. I'm down there one day. I needed Jameson's birth certificate. Go down in the basement, look in the drawer that it usually is in, in the, in, the, in the file, and I have like a book, and I keep all these important documents, passports, and all that. So I'm looking. I can't, I can't find this thing. I'm looking for the birth certificate. I don't know where it went. I don't know. Megan, what did you do with it? Right? Immediately, I lash out. She must have moved it. Look at the dog. Lewis, did you move it? Somebody moved it. Nolan, did you? Who moved it? Can't find it. I need a birth certificate. So I go through the long process. I then have to go to Port Jefferson to get a new birth certificate issued. Has anybody had ever do something like this? We had an issue maybe with a passport, right? This is the parable of the birth certificate. So there we are, right? And I go down to Port Jeff. And I go into the office and I just happen to have my folder with me that I've looked through. I don't know how many times I go through the whole process. I get the birth certificate. I put it in there and I'm just rummaging through it one more time, the folder. And little did I know, ah, the birth certificate was in there the whole time. But I don't find out. God, you couldn't tell me that before I went to Port Jefferson. You couldn't have saved me the gas. Come on. So I find out after, but I had it the whole time. How many of us live our Christian lives with the promises given to us, but we're not living them out? Joy is ours already. Peace is ours already. You have it in your back pocket. Health is yours in Jesus' name. It's in your back pocket. He forgave all sins and he healed all diseases. Hey, brethren, don't forget all of his benefits, everything that he does, everything that we could possibly want as children of God, the covenant relationship that we're in. We don't live it out sometimes. We have it, but we don't use it. And it sits there like an unopened gift. And God's saying, will you use what I've given you? Will you tap into the strength that you can have? But we don't. And look at this. Can I take you to the map again? When you, you see this, it, it's kind of crazy. It says that he gets to, look where he gets to, Beersheba on the very bottom. I don't know if you can see, I'm using this screen right here. He went from the northern kingdom all the way. Keep going, Elijah. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Chariots of fire. You didn't know what that was. He goes all the way down to Beersheba. Why do I bring that up? Because as I was studying this text, it was comical. I'm going, he left the territory that Ahab is ruling. He left the territory that Jezebel is ruling. He's all the way down here. Dude, you already have freedom. You're already safe. 
Why are you running so far? You already have freedom. And there's somebody in here today, you're waiting for God to open up a door. And God is saying back to you, hey, you know what? The door's already open. When are you going to walk through? When are you going to walk through? All the way down. Keeps going farther and farther. Isn't that kind of cool? That's why I know I geek out on the geography and the history. But you can't fully understand, appreciate this story until you see how far the dude ran. And he just keeps going. You got to love this guy. He's on E. He's totally empty. So that's one. And then number two. Let's move on in the text. You go to verse eight. So he arose. He's, already, he's, eating, some, he's eating his bread. He's had some water. Ate and drank. He went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Again, he goes south, farther south. He just keeps going in the wrong direction. Wrong direction. Goes to Beersheba. I'm going to keep going farther south. I'm going to go to Mount Horeb. I'm going to see how far I can go. And he keeps going. He's going and he's going. And then we see in verse 9, right? And there he went into a cave, a cave, and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? God's not, this is a rhetorical question. God wasn't, Elijah, I lost you because you were running so fast and I didn't know where you were. Um, thank gosh, I found you. Where have you been? He didn't lose him. He's not looking for an answer. Wait till I get to the east. I got some funny stuff on east. I can't get into it now, but what are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here? Who wants to go to a cave? This past week, I went to some caves with bats. Bats. I was hanging out with bats. And and the guy goes, hey, I hope you have bug spray because there's a lot of mosquitoes in here. I went, dude, really? I called up. No one gave me information about mosquitoes. That, bats, yeah, but I didn't. How am I supposed to know? So I, they had these bottles. If I can digress, they had these bottles of, of like natural, I don't know, bug repellent. I'm literally, I'm just taking the bottles and I'm just like spraying them all over myself. I'm spraying everybody. I'm spraying Megan. I'm spraying Jameson. I'm like, let's go. We're going in. We're going in. We're going to make sure that we have repellent on. Who goes to a cave? A cave. It's where Elijah goes. And he's hanging out here. And then God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Don't you love that God can speak into our caves? Don't you love that it doesn't matter if you're in your pajamas? It doesn't matter if you pull the covers over your head and you have eye boogers. It doesn't matter that God can still speak to you and God can still find you. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you are still there. God comes in, he speaks into our depression. He speaks into addiction. He speaks into the situations of life that are really difficult. Even in caves where there's no reception. The Wi-Fi is nothing. You don't have anything. The signal is not strong. God says, I can speak into that situation. I can speak into your caves. I can speak into the problems that you have. Because I'm God. You don't have to be, Elijah, you don't have to be a Mount Carmel. You don't have to be up there. I can still speak to you. And he says, what are you doing here? 
Then you go to, look, go down, look at 11 and 12. Then he said, go out, tells Elijah, and he speaks. Don't you love the fact God is not reprimanding him? He's asking him what he's doing. He's trying to help him. Look at how God comforts. God does not, Elijah, what a bad boy you are. I can't believe you did this. Look at how I used you. And that's how some of us look at God. That's the picture we have of God that he's looking down on us and he's pointing his big finger at and telling us, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. He is so gracious. More gracious than we have. Listen, there is truth. And justice, the word says, will roll like a river one day. Yeah, he's a God of justice, but he's also a God of grace. And we're constantly beating ourselves up. He is so gracious. And he's gracious to Elijah. And then he says those words, and behold, the Lord passed by. And there was a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks and pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. This is supposed to be humorous, by the way. I don't know if you see this when you, this is the author is trying to tell this is funny because there is God. Imagine like God, I said to you earlier in the beginning of the message, God comes in unexpected ways. When you look at this, imagine me and God and whew, just breathing and things, trees, things shake. God just breathing. And that happens, but he's not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And that would be kind of cool, right? You would think if God wants to show up, he's going to do something real dramatic just by him touching his toe or shaking his foot. And there they are. There is an earthquake. That's pretty cool. But he's not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, doesn't the fire make sense? Because I told you in the previous chapter on Mount Carmel, Elijah called down fire from heaven. Wouldn't that make sense? But he's not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Hmm. A still, small voice. I don't know about you, but I can't live without hearing the still, small voice of God. I want to hear what he has to say to me. He's talking, but are we listening? We're so good at talking, but we're terrible at listening. We are not very good when it comes to getting still and trying to hear his voice. It reminds me, in the airport, that not, this is a while ago, I'm with Jameson, it's just the two of us. We go through TSA. Now I have stuff for Jameson, like food and stuff, that they have to, of course, check. Right? It's crazy when you go. And I get it. Listen, we want to be safe. And I understand that. And God bless all those individuals that do that, you know, in, in every area. That's not an easy job. But we're going through. And Jameson goes through first. Goes to like the metal detector and whatever. And he's done. He's, he's, all right, he's in the clear. There am I. Dad is separated from Jameson. I have my bag. And they pull me over. And they want to investigate this thing. Okay, this is now, now at first I'm like, okay, this isn't going to take long guys. All right, my son's over there. So I'm talking like quietly to the, my, my son's over there. The guys like, sir, you got to stay away. No, 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 no. My son is over. And now I can't see him. He's gone. I can't see him. How would you do? You have an eight year old kid. Your wife isn't with you. You're by yourself. I'm ready to go Liam Neeson taken on this dude or old school. I'm ready to go Mel Gibson ransom. No, no, no. You need to understand. And this is when the Italian comes out in me, right? 
sir, you need to understand I'm separated. I'm not supposed to be separated from my child. I can't see my child. Sir, tell me you need to keep it down. Sir, my kid's over there. Don't get me crazy. No, I'm not like yelling, but I'm like, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to tell him in the best way I can be and be uh, polite that my, I can't see my son. So then somebody else comes over, kind of hears the commotion. Another guy, I guess like a supervisor. And I say, sir, my son, I can't see him. He's already went through security. Check this bag, do whatever. I don't even care about this bag anymore. I just want my kid, right? So he says, sir, I'm so sorry. You're not supposed to be separated from your son. So he sends me through and I look at the other guy and I just give him like one of those and I just keep walking, right? <laughs> Peace out, I'm out, right? So then I eventually find the kid. I'm ready to find this kid in a ball, like a mess, in the fetal position, right? Where's my daddy? Where's my daddy? No, no, no. Kid is totally chillax, hanging out, right? He's playing on his iPad. He's playing Minecraft. And I went, dude, really? You, like, you weren't upset the whole time that a daddy was over here? And that, you know what the kid says to me? And this is like, you can't make this stuff up. Hey, listen, that's what, like children, right? They're a gift from God, right? Sometimes like life doesn't, you know, life disagrees with that from what the Bible says, but trying to be gentle with that. But the kid, I'm like, dude, really? You weren't afraid the whole time? You know what he said to me? I could hear your voice the whole time. I heard your voice. And I think about this story. I think about this story. All I need to do is hear his voice wherever I'm in. It doesn't matter if economies collapse. It doesn't matter if my health collapses. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. As long as I can hear his voice, I can get through any situation and circumstance in my life. I love when kids are good sermon illustrations. If you're not here is reaffirming, reassuring voice, man, you can get through anything. You can get through anything. No matter what life throws at us, we can make it through. And here he is next verse. Can we move on a little bit? I'm almost there. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And then in 13, so it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said again, what are you doing here, Elijah? Again, supposed to, come on, you're supposed to laugh. God does have a sense of humor. When Jesus walked the face of the earth, he had a sense of humor. you got to see God kind of laughing. Elijah, what are you, what are you doing here? What are you doing? No, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you here? I love you, but I'm just wondering, what are you doing here? And then I'm thinking about it. Look, look, I'm, I'm thinking about it as he's standing there. He's not totally out of the cave. This is the best part. If, if you didn't like any part of the sermon, I think this is pretty cool. Because he's there and he's not fully out of the cave. He's coming out of the cave. And I want to say to us, sometimes God's preferred method of, of talking and teaching us is through a whisper. It's not through all the loud noise. Did you ever wonder? And this is, this is what I'm, I'm philosophizing about. I'm sitting there. I'm going this week. I'm going, isn't it funny when the devil comes at us, is his voice loud or is it quiet? It's pretty loud. We get hit with disappointment. We get racked with fear and anxiety. And it's so loud. And sometimes I feel like he's drowning out the voice of God. Because when God speaks a lot of times, it's quiet. 
It's like a whisper. And when I asked God, I said, God, why did you whisper? I felt like I heard in my spirit. God said, I whisper because I'm close. I only whisper when I'm close to you. You know that's that when you're talking to somebody, Eric, you don't mind if I use you, right? And I love Eric, and, I'm, and I have to tell Eric something about Sue, right, that is private. I'm going to whisper to him. Don't worry, I brushed my teeth this morning. <laughs> that is sometimes God's preferred method of communication. He wants us to know he's right there. You can't whisper to somebody that is outside the door. You can only whisper to somebody that is right next to you. Elijah, I'm right next to you. And he says to you today, I'm right next to you. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't leave. I'm right here, brother. I'm right in your grill. He's as close as I am to you. Hey, brother, he's right here. He's right here. He's right here, Michael. We feel like he's so far away. Even if you feel like he's far, he's not. He's right there next to you. And he's whispering to you. And he's telling you how much I love you. He's saying, Elijah, why do you stay up in the middle of the night? Can you let me handle your problems? Hey, Elijah, when are you going to forgive that person? Because you're just holding yourself hostage. Stop. Stop. I want to help you. Let me speak into your life. Let me speak into your situations. But the Lord is not going to compete with all the noise that is out there. How many of you are distracted? We're all distracted. We live in a world of distractions. Do you love it when your wife calls you out on that? Happened to me, right? I know none of you ever get called out. My wife is like, man, you are so distracted at times. So distracted. You got the church, and then you got your school job, and da da da. And sometimes you're so easily distracted. And at first, of course, I fought it, right? I knew it was true, but I had to fight it for a little bit. Stand my ground for a little bit. And then eventually you acquiesce. And you know, honey, you're right. How distracted we get. All the time. And God says, sometimes I'm in the still small voice. There's a great story of a woman named Mary Ann Bird. She was born in Brooklyn, 1928. And there is Mary Ann Bird, who was born with a serious cleft palate. 17 operations. 17. So bad, she couldn't even, she couldn't blow up a balloon. She couldn't use a water fountain. Like things that we just like take for granted. The worst part of it was though, the kids were merciless. They would constantly tease her. They would disparage her. Nobody wanted to be her friend. And then on top of having the cleft palate, she also was deaf in one ear. And every single school year, the least favorite day for her was the hearing test. How many of you remember in school when they did the hearing test? You had to go up to the teacher's desk. If you're over the age of like, I don't know, I don't even know when that started, but whatever. So here it is the day. She's in Miss Leonard's class. Miss Leonard is like the most beloved teacher in her school. And she said, Miss Leonard said words to me in third grade, seven words that changed my life. You see, the kids would go up and then she would, the teacher would say, if you don't know what I'm talking about, she would just whisper to you. You'd have to cover one ear. And then with your other year, right, you, you, she would say, the sky is blue. And you'd have to repeat it back. Uh, the, the shoes are brown. And you would just repeat it back, right? 
And here is this girl, Marianne Bird, and she would cheat. She would take her good ear and put it towards Miss Leonard and she would kind of cup it, you know, like we do, and we try to hear better. And she would cup her ear and she wanted to listen intently. And then Miss Leonard said these seven words that she said changed her life. She's always been criticized. She's always been mocked for how she looks. And then Miss Leonard leaned over to her and she said the words that would be indelibly etched in her mind. She said, I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were my little girl. And I read that story and it so moved me because that's the heart of God, that teacher. When she spoke those words to that child, she whispered those words and God is whispering those words here today. How much he loves us. I love you. You are my child. You are accepted. Nothing that you've ever done can separate you from the love of Christ. There is no condemnation for those that are now in Christ Jesus. I know some of you aren't into this today and you woke up and you looked outside, but I'm here to tell you, God wants to speak a message to you. He wants to give you a message. He still speaks. He hasn't stopped speaking. You need to change your frequency. Maybe get on a different channel. What is it like? I don't want to live in a world as a Christian where my God doesn't speak to me. No, my God speaks. My God speaks. Good, bad, ugly. My God speaks. I can't live every single day. I need it. I need to hear his voice. Elijah, what are you doing here? And then the last thing, redirection. Redirection, I'll be quick. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, appoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mahol. Isn't it amazing some of the names? Like every time, it's just like, what? Right? You shall anoint as prophet in your place. And you know what? I should have put it up, but I'm just thinking about it as I'm preaching. Do you mind if I just read you another verse? Just on the spot, and I didn't put it up there, but I'm just thinking, I'm go. all right, it says in 17, Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 of Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. It's kind of interesting, too, because I'm looking at this whole passage at the end. God kind of speaks in like the past tense. Hey, Elijah, I've already taken care of things that are going to happen in the future. Why are you worried about it? I have this all under control. And God says to us today, there are things in your future. You're looking at things going, I don't know what's going to happen two months from now. I don't know what's going to happen five years from now. How about just taking today? Tomorrow's going to have enough trouble of its own. But to trust that God says, I got it all figured out. I got you. I got you next year. I got you in 2020. I got you in 2030. Trust me that I know. Past tense. I've already taken care of it. Yeah, I'm the great I am we sang about today. He who was, who is, and is to come. He is here now to take care of our problems and our situations. But a lot of times there's so much noise. So distracted because we got the whole world in our hands. We got the whole world. In our hands, we got the whole world in our hands. And the enemy just... Stealth. Stealth. Keep distracted. 
going to talk about putting God first. It takes time. We have to be intentional. Nothing about this Christian walk that's going to be easy. But hey, let's just wake up to the reality of what's at stake for our one and only lives. What's at stake here and now? And to not forget, He's speaking to us in this Lenten season. And He wants us to... I'm speaking to myself. I move at a quick pace in life. Like some of you, I don't have this figured out. I have training wheels on. You see them? Training wheels. Training wheels. And trying to figure this out. But I want to slow down and hear His voice this Lenten season. Because He's not in all the commotion. He can be, but He's usually in the whisper. So Lord... Lord, I thank you for Elijah's story, Lord, how it's helped me along the way. Father, at times when I'm down and I'm depressed and I'm despondent, I can look to your word, Lord, that you put right next to my head like you did when the angel had the loaf of bread. Lord, I thank you that I can dive into your word, Lord, and that I can speak to you no matter where I am. And you speak into my situation. Doesn't mean things are always going to be easy. But Lord, you promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And that you'll be there every step of the way. Lord, I ask for your people today that they would be still this Lenten season and listen to your still small voice. I thank you, Father, that you never stop speaking. Yes, there may have been 400 years, Lord, between the Old and the New Testament. And, 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 you know, if I could just stop, you know what I think sometimes? He spoke to them in the Old Testament. with God has an outside voice. Sometimes he has an inside voice, right? And he can use the outside voice. And we think a lot of times in the Old Testament, he spoke to people. And man, look, it must have been a booming voice when he spoke to Moses from the burning bush. I don't, and you know what? I, I don't, this is my opinion. I think a lot of times when he spoke to people, even in the Old Testament, like, like Samuel, like Samuel, did I hear something? Samuel, go back to bed. Go back to bed. You didn't hear anything. It happens again and again. And he realizes it's God talking. So many times, it's that we're not in tune to his voice. And it's, it's barely above the threshold of, of whispering. So soft. So may we be silent. May we be still. And it's hard. But may we try to really hear his voice. Music team, why don't you close us out with a song? You come next week. I'm loaded. I'm loaded. For, I can't wait to get into this topic next week. I really can't. I hope you'll come back. Because everyone has questions about it. And spread the word. Bring somebody. Bring somebody. I got a crate. Not the, this week. The week after. I have a, one of the craziest illustrations ever. I think it's going to hit home. Because I'm trying to throw it past a couple people. And that's going to be good. You got to come back. Because we're all tr- searching. Trying to find the will of God for our lives. It's, pretty, it, it's a lot simpler than we make it sound. And the way we live. So I want you to come back. as a challenge to you. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.